feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, we are finally hearing from President Joe Biden. Breaking news that he is expressing his views basically about the delay tied to the classified documents. And I just want to say this to me is absolutely stunning. We have the president of the United States. We know that classified documents that were marked as top secret have now been found in four different areas. Of course, the Penn Biden Center, of course, in the garage next to the Corvette and also in the adjacent room. We know that there are four separate instances. And the president of the United States makes a statement basically saying no regrets, No problems, no issues here, nothing to see here. And I don't know why reporters and people are talking about this. Let's just move on. Boy, what a hypocrite. Because you think about the way that he had handled President Trump, where he was blasting him left and right, calling it so irresponsible. And now President Biden just wants us to just dismiss the fact that he's been leaving documents it looks like all over the place and definitely not in secure locations. And to me, it's even more troubling that he is defiant. He seems to think that it's rude that reporters are finally asking him tough questions, and I'm glad to see that they are. It's a sign of the times that people on both sides of the aisle are concerned about this, and yet he wants to just kind of brush it off as if nothing there, no regrets. To me, there's a lot of things that he should be saying he regrets. What about the fact That he misplaced the documents. What about the fact that maybe Hunter and other people may have had access to it? What about the fact that they weren't in a secure location? What about the fact that there clearly was a major, major delay in terms of reporting it? Look what happened. We didn't know about it until well after the midterm elections. And that was an enormous disservice to the American public. So here is President Joe Biden just a little bit ago. And this is a stunning statement. As we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives and the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. No there there. How dare you, Mr. President? We're going to be taking calls about this uh, coming up soon because to me it is just outrageous. There's a lot of there there, and we're going to get to it. And I just think it is insulting to the American public that he seems to think he is above the law and that he can sit and tear President Trump apart. But when it comes to him, there's no there there, nothing to worry about. You don't need to worry about it whatsoever. Meantime, speaking of no one is above the law, Remember when Alec Baldwin made this comment, and this was a while ago. Take a listen to this. 
I didn't pull the trigger. So no. you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. Never. That was the training that I had. You don't point a gun at me and, and pull the trigger at them. On day one of my instruction in this business, people said to me, never take a gun and go click, 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 because even though it's incremental, you damage the firing pin on the gun if you do that. Don't do that. Well, now Alec Baldwin will soon be charged with involuntary manslaughter for the shooting on that movie set that took place of Rust. Remember, that was in New Mexico in 2021. Him and also the second armorer, we're going to get into that. Uh, The first armorer, actually, we're going to get into that in a moment because there's some really powerful background behind all of this case. First off, and we're going to have Doug Burns, former federal prosecutor, is going to join us in one minute. He's one of the best legal guys out there to get his take on these charges against Alec Baldwin. Well, first off, the prosecutor in this case came out today and said, you know what? Alec Baldwin may say he didn't pull the trigger, but she says that she has evidence to the contrary. And that's why she is charging him and the other individual with involuntary manslaughter. Because remember, the woman on the set, the cinematographer on that set, was fatally killed, remember, from that shooting. And if you think about it, If somebody's drunk driving and they get behind a wheel and they killed somebody, that would classify as involuntary manslaughter. And that could be a good, basically, correlation to what happened here. So was he responsible? He says he was not, but the prosecutor says otherwise. Take a listen. And we definitely believe he pulled the trigger. Um, the, The FBI lab report confirms that. So definitely the trigger was pulled. And also, the district attorney in this case said it doesn't matter that Alec Baldwin is a huge star, that everybody must face justice fairly. Take a listen. The miscarriage of justice would be if nobody was held to account for Helena Hutchins' death. This is about her and what happened to her. And so I believe that we are doing what is right for Helena Hutchins and what's right for the the process and the integrity of law. No one is above the law. Everyone is equal before the law. And that's one of the reasons that he's charged. But who would have thought Alec Baldwin now about to be charged with two counts, apparently, of involuntary manslaughter? What are your thoughts, everybody? Is this the right move? And did you always have doubts from the beginning? He's like, no, you know, I was past the gun. I was told by someone on the set that it was, quote, a cold gun. Uh, It's supposed to be a prop. And he claims he did not pull the trigger. Yet there's also been experts who say there's no way that that kind of gun, first you got to cock it back, and then you also have to pull the trigger. That there had to be sort of two conscious moves done for the gun to go off. And why was there a live round on a movie set? There are so many questions here, but he's not just the actor in this film. He is also the producer of this film. And that's why in this role, not just the guy who did the shooting, according to the district attorney and others, they also say that he had a sloppy movie set, sloppy regulations, uh, didn't keep track of a lot of things, that there was a lot of hostility, that there were a lot of sloppiness and mistakes and recklessness 
on the set leading up to this fatal moment. What are your thoughts? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And joining us now is one of the great legal experts out there, former federal prosecutor, Doug Burns. Um, Doug, so great to have you here on the show. What, what was your take Thank when you. you heard that Alec Baldwin uh, is going to be charged with involuntary manslaughter? Well, I would have been surprised, Rita, if he hadn't uh, given that interview. But basically, I think three things caused this, uh, this to, to come about. Number one, as you just said, and very, very important legally, not only was he just an actor uh, in the project, he was the producer. So right there, um, that's sort of you know, the first part of the recipe. Number two is the interview. Prosecutors are, at the end of the day, human beings. I was a prosecutor, federal prosecutor for nine years, and the point is, is that when a guy sort of arrogantly, you know, does a big interview, and he he looks uh, George Stephanopoulos right in the face, and he goes, "Oh no, 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 I didn't pull the trigger," as you said. But then there was a much more important sort of little arrogant point in that interview where he said something like, look, I know somebody was responsible, but it wasn't me. Like, very glib, very arrogant. And that made a big, big impact, in my view, on the prosecutor's decision. But in fairness to the sort of objectivity of the decision, um, you have the fact that he's the producer, but you also have the fact, and, uh, you know, you hit every point, Rita, and that is that the conditions on the set were horrific, there were apparently all kinds of live rounds present, not just, you know, one or two, but a lot. Um, there were problems with the crew. They weren't happy <clears throat> with what was going on. And it really was sort of an accident waiting to happen. So now you go to the law real quick, and this is where people can get a little bit confused, you know, with homicides and stuff. This is an involuntary manslaughter, which means he doesn't have to have any intent, zero, uh, to kill the person. Um, which, by the way, makes it hard to defend, okay? The legal test has nothing to do with did he intend to kill anybody. That's not it. The legal test is did he um, violate a basic duty of care that is owed to the woman who was tragically killed? Okay, she's at work. This is where you go sort of like to the law school classroom, <clears throat> apart from the around the dining room table. Now you go to real law. She's at work. She's entitled to expect that those people in supervisory positions, the producer, the gunner person, are going to exercise a reasonable duty of care to make sure that she's safe. And that duty of care was, was breached by a ton, and that's the theory of the case. Now, it gets a little in the weeds um, exactly how it's been charged and the penalties and all that. I don't want to jump ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, no, by the way, why two counts of involuntary manslaughter? There's reports that he may be facing two counts. Brilliant question, brilliant question. And the reason it's so brilliant is I'm on the phone with a longtime colleague who's been in DOJ, he was in DOJ 30-plus years. I said, well, wait a minute, Peter. I said, we have what we call multiplicity and duplicity, not to get all in the weeds. You can't generally charge... Doug Burns with stealing the candy bar at 7-Eleven, use a hypothetical, and then charge him again for the same thing. However, under New Mexico law, this is interesting, one of the counts is involuntary manslaughter, period, you know, violating the duty of care. And then the second one is labeled involuntary manslaughter in the commission of an otherwise lawful act. And if it goes to trial, this is actually quite interesting, 
think the uh, listeners will find this interesting. The jury will have the option of convicting on, you know, one or the other, Rita. So it's kind of just a little quirk in New Mexico law. But now comes the bombshell of bombshells, which I'm going to have to study extremely carefully once the charges are lodged. They're saying, you know, by the end of the month, because you probably, I'm sure you saw this because, you know, you follow this all day long. People were weighing in saying that, oh, there could be a five-year mandatory minimum involved here. That's a huge, huge, huge point that we're all going to have to get our arms around. Apparently, on the second of the two charges, the involuntary manslaughter in the commission of a lawful act, if you use a firearm, there can be a five-year enhancement. But again, I'm going to study it when I see it. But if that's the case, real quick, that's going to factor in big time in terms of possible plea bargaining. Wow, that's interesting. Now, speaking yeah. of plea bargain, and everybody, we're talking to great former federal prosecutor Doug Burns. Um, Doug, this is interesting. Um, the second armorer, you know, these are the ones who handle all the props. Um, yes. The first armorer is also charged, as we know, yep. with involuntary manslaughter. The second armorer, like the, the second tier one, has apparently reached a plea deal and is testifying against Baldwin and also the first armorer. Now, he's also apparently the person who passed the gun and yep. said cold gun, meaning the gun is, is you know, it's not an active gun with real bullets. Yep. And and it goes off um, and passes it, passes it, obviously, to Alec Baldwin. And then it goes off. And obviously, the prosecutors say that he had to, Alec Baldwin had to have pulled the trigger and um, but how interesting is that that he reaches this plea deal? Is that a sign? Um, it's interesting. Alec Baldwin, from the very beginning, has been defiant, has said, you know, like you said, he looks like he's going to say everybody else on the set was to blame, even though he's the producer. And he sounds like he's the one who pulled the trigger, according to prosecutors. Yep. Uh, but he's not accepting any responsibility. How complex does that make it for him that this guy has obviously turned state's evidence? No, no, no. That's a huge point. Um, anytime you have, you know, I'll go to the X's and O's again in the conference room, uh, in the courtroom. You know, you have three defendants in a case. When you learn that one of them has flipped and they're cooperating, um, that's just a big, big factor to be taken into account. Um, it's interesting. I mean, as you say, he's going to say he handed him, you know, the gun and it's cold. That, that could ostensibly help Baldwin. But where Baldwin gets hurt again is in the idea that a couple things. Number one, he's the producer, to repeat the earlier point. But the second thing, and particularly, by the way, and this is a segue into another topic, which is, you know, what's the jury appeal in that venue? How's that going to look? The point is you have a lot of people out there who take gun safety extremely seriously. So the point I'm trying to make is that Baldwin himself, most jurors are going to conclude, is required under a reasonable duty of care to check the weapon himself, regardless of what he's told. That's going to be a huge point in the courtroom if it gets there. Yeah, great point. Like, what is standard procedure on the set? And um, by the way, I've talked to other friends who've been on yeah. many acting roles and sure. have said the same thing, that no matter what, you should check and that there's a, a visible difference, too, that if it's a live round or not, that especially if you're pointing it in the, in the sure. direction of the cinematographer and others, you have a responsibility to be an extra checker as an actor and also as a producer. Yeah, I mean, in a quick dose of humility, I mean, I did a podcast a year ago about this, and one of the people on the show was an actor, and he was the one who was stressing that over and over. You know, as a veteran actor, 30-year career, hundreds and hundreds of you know, shows and movies, and he said you absolutely have to double-check that weapon.
Wow. Doug Burns, you are terrific. I love you, my friend. Thank you for being here <laughs> on the you. show. And it was uh, making it. On your show. I appreciate it. Always. You are invited anytime. The great Doug Burns, former federal prosecutor who just makes it everything simple so we can all understand it, too, out there and explain why these charges are there. We're going to take your calls after the break. What do you make of the fact that Alec Baldwin still says he's not the guy who pulled the trigger and basically it's everybody else's fault? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And Alec Baldwin tonight refusing to accept any responsibility for the shooting on his film. He was the head producer, not just the actor in that film. And that really is what it comes down to, because he is going to be facing, as you just heard, two counts of involuntary manslaughter. So eloquently laid out uh, by the great legal mind, Doug Burns, who was just here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts about this? Should he be charged? Is this something that you think is going to lead to jail time from actor Alec Baldwin? He doesn't look like he's going to settle. He doesn't look at this point he wants to do a plea deal. He says he's going to fight it, yet the authorities say he pulled the trigger and he was reckless. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bob, line six. Bob, your thoughts about all of this. Hello, Rita. As a retired police officer, I can tell you that Baldwin's going to go down for this because anyone who knows anything about firearms will tell you if the gun is passed to somebody other than himself, you're responsible to check that gun to make sure it's empty and not, no live rounds in the gun. And even if it's a prop firearm in a movie, as you can see, prop guns can buy a live rounds too. How do you think uh, this happened? I mean, do you think, obviously, he claims he did not pull the trigger. So my question to ask you, Bob, you know, what the authorities, I was watching the interview with the authorities today. They say there is no way that he did not pull the trigger. That on this particular gun, um, as in the case with a lot of guns, but in this case, there are two steps. First, you got to cock the gun. And he may say, well, it was cocked before it came to him. But then the second step is you got to pull the trigger. So the, they say there's no way that he did not pull the trigger would you Absolutely. would you agree he's, with he's that he's trying to save his backside he knows he's going to go down for this so he's trying to make a defense right now he's finished you believe he will face uh jail time bob I, I he should without a doubt yeah and listen you know you think about the cinematographer i mean here she is a mother she had children uh bob by the way thank you you know how much i love the law enforcement thank you thank you thank you and thank you for your insight too great call um you think about Alina Hutchins, there she is on the set. She's just working as a cinematographer and suddenly gets shot and killed. Uh, And somebody has to pay the price. And wouldn't you think the person who oversees it and the guy who authorities say pulled the trigger? This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, where we honor our great law enforcement and, of course, their families. And I love doing this segment every night here on the Rita Cosby Show. A very powerful story coming from Coetta County, Georgia. 
where a sheriff's deputy, Christian Sphinx, is credited with saving a man who suffered cardiac arrest while working out at the WMCA. Recent events, of course, surrounding Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin have put a spotlight on such life-saving events. And, of course, outcomes are never certain, but quick intervention is the key. And in this particular case, it was Deputy Sheriff Christian Sphinx who got the call from 911 to respond there. And he was trained in CPR both in the Marine Corps and at the sheriff's office. He says this would be the third time in his career that he had been called to save a life with CPR. When he arrived, the man was unconscious. He was not breathing. His heart was not beating. And those around him had started CPR and shocked him twice. Deputy Sphinx credits that initial teamwork, those heroics, with making all the difference. He said, if it wasn't for them doing what they were doing, we would never have been able to continue with CPR to get a pulse back on this individual. And by the way, within minutes of doing CPR, the man woke up and breathed on his own. Sphinx says that law enforcement trains in life-saving CPR every year, and it's likely that an officer will show up before a paramedic in those precious first few minutes to uh, resuscitate an individual who is enduring cardiac arrest. By the way, uh, he also says that cardiac arrest calls basically come in nearly every single day. And, of course, he encourages everyone to try to learn CPR and also call 911 immediately. But great teamwork and amazing that he was able to bring this person back to life. And that person is said to be doing okay, thanks to the great, great work, of course, of Deputy Christian Sphinx. Well, we are talking about the fact that actor and producer Alec Baldwin is going to be facing two counts of involuntary manslaughter. They basically are saying that the actor is culpable, is responsible for killing cinematographer Helna Helna Hutchins, and that's on the set of Rust. That was the film, again, that he was the executive producer on. But Alec Baldwin tonight, through his attorney, is saying they are going to fight this. He says it was not his fault. And in fact, in interviews, he's basically blamed everybody else but himself. He was the one who got the gun. He was told again it was a cold gun, but he's the one who got the gun and fired. He says, you know, he didn't pull the trigger. Somehow the gun just went off. But we know it was that gun in his hand that fired the fatal shot. And he says something happened. There was a malfunction or something else. He didn't know it was a live round. There are so many issues here. And a lot of people are saying there was just a whole bunch of recklessness on this set well before this. By the way, one of the attorneys also for some of the individuals have even suggested that maybe somebody put a live round in the box of dummy rounds. And when they put the you know, the bullets into the gun didn't know that one of them was a live round, that there might have been some sort of sabotage, even some people are suggesting. You can bet Alec Baldwin might even go there, but then it may not be good for him because he's the producer of this set and of this film. And there were questions about live rounds. There were reports that they were doing live round kind of shooting at cans the night before. So maybe it just stayed in and they didn't check. There's a lot of questions, and when you're the executive producer, you oversee everything. You get the good, and you get the bad. Plus, he was also the actor. I actually think this is a correct charge. I really do. I think involuntary manslaughter 
is a correct charge. And I say it because if you go into a car, you have been drinking all night long, and suddenly you drive the car, even if somebody says, hey, here's the keys, you know, and you go and you get behind the wheel and you kill somebody, you very well would get charged with involuntary manslaughter because you didn't intend to, of course, hurt somebody, but your recklessness, your actions, your not being aware when you went behind the wheel and still taking somebody's el- somebody else's life could qualify for reckless manslaughter. And that is basically what involuntary manslaughter is. It shows not intent. There's no evidence that he like was trying to target this woman, obviously. It happened. It was an accident, but it was a fatal accident. And they are saying it was a reckless accident and an accident waiting to happen based on what was happening on the set and how safety had basically been overlooked time and time again on this movie set. Take a listen to what one of the prosecutors said, because this, to me, really builds the case of a reckless environment that he should have oversaw even before that fateful day. Take a listen. This is what they said a few hours ago when they announced the charges against actor Alec Baldwin. We believe Baldwin, as a producer, knows everything that goes on on this set. And so, yeah, there was a lot of problems. There was a lot of, uh, there were a couple accidental discharges. Um, There was a lot of safety concerns that were brought to the attention of management, and and he did nothing about it. So um, there were just, this was a a loose and reckless um, scene where safety was compromised um, just to save money. Just to save money. And then you've got Helena Hutchins, who has, you know, lost, obviously, her life. She's got kids. She's got a husband. She was just there working, you know, because of what they say was a slew of recklessness that led up to this moment that could have been avoided had he done the necessary safety things even before that fatal moment, that there were mistakes, there were live rounds. You heard of complaints of live rounds, especially If there were complaints, and indeed there's a pattern apparently of complaints of live rounds, you've got this other guy who worked on the set who is again turning state's evidence and going to say that there was a series of reckless moves, that this is the responsibility that each person's supposed to do. He pleaded guilty. He said, yes, of course, I made mistakes, but the also mistakes were done by the first armorer and then, of course, Alec Baldwin. So that, I think, is going to be really, really damning against Baldwin. Take a listen. Here is Geraldo Rivera talking about this earlier today because he's got some advice for Alec Baldwin tonight. If I were representing Alec Baldwin, I tell you right now, Martha, I would be advising him to plead, to get a plea deal, to get something like David Hall's got the six-month suspended sentence. Uh, That's uh, appropriate, I think, in this case. Uh, because what he faces, this grim reality of the mandatory five plus the year and a half, uh, Alec Baldwin has, in my view, convicted himself out of his own mouth. He said, quoting, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull the trigger at them. Never. The FBI says that gun could not possibly fire if you didn't pull the trigger. So Alec Baldwin, he points a real loaded gun. He pulls the trigger and Helena dies. It is involuntary manslaughter. It's as as if you're texting while you're driving. As if you're texting while you're driving, you get in an accident and the officer says, you know, by the way, uh, were you texting 
when you got into this car accident that killed this person? No, no, no. And then they grab your phone and they go, yeah, you were texting. We see it. So you know they're going to have experts on the guns coming in, people coming in also from the set. And it's not like Alec Baldwin, not that this should come, you know, should prejudice, but clearly he's a hothead. And maybe there were past statements that he said on the set, like, don't worry about that, trying to cut corners with money. Maybe those documents that show that he was trying to maybe trim some of the safety standards for the sake of saving money, because that's a big role of the producer, the funds, the budget for the film. Well, this is what Mark Garagos has to say about it. He's one of the great attorneys. He's probably represented the who's who, of course, of all the different celebrities. This is what he thinks is the strategy for Alec Baldwin. And this will make your stomach turn. From a criminal defense standpoint, why he gave that interview that you showed to George Stephanopoulos. It was a disaster when he said, I didn't pull the trigger. It was a disaster when he said, I wasn't responsible. I understand why he did it, because having represented many famous and infamous people, you're always surrounded by what I call the 5 and 10% crowd who are giving you advice. And you rarely get a client who's listening to the criminal defense lawyer. But I'll tell you, Today they came out and the lawyer was saying, you know, we're going to win this. And and uh, with the great bravado, I don't think that he plans on pleading to anything. I think he feels like he's going to blame everybody else. And that's going to be the defense and hopes that he uh, charms his way out of it. So will he be able to charm his way out of it? I hope not, because if the evidence shows that indeed he did pull the trigger uh, and he's already said he didn't. He makes it sound like somehow this gun just magically went off uh, and that even though he's the executive producer, that he basically, you know, shouldn't have to worry about anything. That's the job of the executive producer. That's the person that they come over and say, hey, what are the standards? And by the way, if indeed, as we have heard all along, that basically there were these conditions, these live rounds, there were issues with live rounds, uh, recklessness on the set about it before. They were also firing live rounds, kind of having fun, you know, shooting some cans or some things or reports of that also the night before. So all these things should have said, wait, 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 wait. We have to take firearms seriously. We got a triple check. Did you check? Did you check again? Did you do this? Remember, we were firing. I mean, there's so many things going on here. But yet, if you listen to Alec Baldwin, and this was, again, what everybody thinks is going to be the downfall of him, that he thought he could charm George Stephanopoulos when he did this interview saying, you know what, Uh, I didn't pull the trigger. Everybody else is basically to blame. Remember this, and this is what they say is going to come back to bite him. I didn't pull the trigger. So you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. Never. That was the training that I had. You don't point a gun at me and, and pull the trigger. On day one of my instruction in this business, people said to me, never take a gun and go click, 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 because even though it's incremental, you damage the firing pin on the gun if you do that. Don't do that. So was he supposed to shoot the gun and it was, and somehow it just was supposed to magically go off? Was that part of the script? Because if you just listen to what he just said, he just said, I would never point a gun at somebody and pull the trigger, making it sound like he's never done that. So that wasn't even supposed to be the action in the film. That, I think, actually, I just heard something that makes me think he is going down for the count. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Rick, line one. Rick, your thoughts about this? 
Hey, Rita, the training you get when you learn about guns is the first rule is when someone hands you a gun, the first thing you do is you check to make sure that it is not loaded. Even if they tell you it's not loaded, even if they showed you, you still check yourself. The second rule is you never point a gun at anyone unless you intend on killing them, period. No, that's a great point. Now, listen, you know, the one thing is, and you know this, in movies that happens all the time, uh, where they fire, but most of the time, like you said, they also do simulated. You know, like, the, you know, they pretend like they're firing at someone and then they go into special effects and do it. Um, so you think it, they, it just should be taken off the sets entirely. There shouldn't even be anybody with, you know, whether the guns are loaded uh, with dummy rounds or blanks or empty. You just think it shouldn't be. And this is just a formula for disaster. There's no reason to point a real gun at someone when you have different camera angles you could do. You have CGI and special effects like you just mentioned. There's no reason for pointing a real gun at a person. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right, because it just opens it up as we're seeing here. Like, how can you verify, you know? What about Brandon Lee? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Brandon Lee, good, good example where he was killed. Great point. You're right. I mean, it's like... There should have been lessons. And also, the, the thing we hear, too, even in, even in this recent case here, Rick, is you think about there were people complaining on the set about, you know, just fast and loose with safety rules, uh, that he was cutting corners. That's clearly a big part of the prosecutor's case. And, um, and in fact, I want to play. Let me play this. Uh, Rick, thanks so much for the call. Let's go to cut nine. Here's a little bit more of the prosecutor kind of hitting a bit of what you were talking about. Let's listen to her. We looked at this case for a long time, and and sure, there's a lot of media attention, and Alec Baldwin's an A-list actor, but again, we were just looking at the facts of the case, and um, again, Alec Baldwin, he is an A-list actor, and, and there's a lot of, you know, uh, hype around all that, but he isn't above the law. We're more concerned with getting um, justice for Helena Hutchins, and also making it clear that these movies need to invest in safety and on a low budget film like Rust, safety is not something that needs to be compromised. And that's what happened here. If they can prove safety was compromised, that there were complaints, as it seems, about the live rounds, a number of different things that he would be responsible for as the executive producer, that part, I think, is even more culpable than the actor part. And maybe they didn't like the fact that Harry went on TV to George Stephanopoulos saying, I'd never do that. I'd never pull the trigger. I'd never do that. That may have very well worked against him and sank his own ship. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Teddy. Line 8. Teddy, your thoughts about this? Uh, yes, Rita. I agree with you. Like, I try to be honest with myself when I look in the mirror, both from the left and both from the right. And... Uh, he has to take responsibility. It's analogous to what you said when you go in the, a car and uh, you had either liquor or – and you have to take responsibility of what happens and uh, whether or not you intend to do it or not. And I agree with uh, uh, Geraldo Rivero. He should take a plea and uh, hopefully – you know, he won't serve prison to have prison time because I don't think he had any intention. There was no malice and there was no intention of of hurting her, let alone killing her. But he's got to take responsibility in some form. But I would also want I would also want you to speak up about more gun legislation. OK, where you have six year olds getting hands of guns. OK, 
you should speak up about that. Well, well, Teddy, hold on, Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. You always go on these tangents, but, you know, whatever the case is, I have very much spoken out about young people or anybody, by the way, not even young people, just anybody having a gun illegally, improperly. Um, anybody who hasn't stored a gun in a safe place, it is outrageous. And in fact, Teddy, if you really were listening and you got the wax out of your ears, you'd be able to know that I was probably one of the first people who was saying, listen, if a parent got somehow was reckless and the gun got in the hand of a child, throw the book at the parents. No question about it. No question about it. That is so important. And I agree with you uh, that guns are very serious. You have to have people who are trained, who respect it, who are careful with them. Um, and so there are so many layers to that. But I'm happy to see that you believe, I do believe the charging is appropriate. Now it gets to who, you know, who uh, who was checking the gun. Were there problems before? The issue that I take exception with, Teddy, and where, and I'm just talking from looking at the case If the prosecutors can prove, I don't believe he had obviously any intention to kill Helena Hutchins. There's no doubt. I don't believe that. I believe it was obviously an accident. But if you are the executive producer and you there was a series of problems on the set well before this uh, and even that day or maybe he had a history of doing, you know, sort of playing fast and loose to save some money uh, and not go through certain checks or whatever the case is. That, I think, will work against him in a big way, and that actually could contribute to him potentially seeing maybe some jail time, even if it's brief, um, or he may be forced to do a plea deal or something at the end. I don't think he will be completely exonerated if some of these reports are true. Of course, we got to see what's happening, and of course, he deserves his day in court, but boy, uh, there are a lot of questions here. We're going to continue with your calls, 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. And to salt the wound, the district attorney in the case against Alec Baldwin, who is facing involuntary manslaughter charges. Uh, could face up to six and a half years behind bars. This is serious stuff, guys. Uh, but the DA said part of it was also about the level of cooperation and not in the case. Take a listen. Here's the DA talking about that. Yes, he cooperated in that he did willingly turn over his phone after some negotiations with his lawyers. But she also added that there were apparently some, there were reports that, Basically, some of the messages may not have been complete. So that raises a lot of questions. Were there some that it may have been erased? There are some reports. Were there some that had been missing? And is that just sort of part of him thinking he can do the charm offensive, as Mark Garagos, defense attorney, says uh, clients often do? Where do you see this headed? He did turn over his cell phone, so he is cooperating. He did Talk to uh, George Stephanopoulos, but that may not have helped him whatsoever. Let's go to Peter, line one. Peter, go ahead. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Hi. Um, I think the one that needs to be investigated is the one who loaded the gun. Who loaded that gun? I don't think Alec Baldwin loaded the gun. The one who loaded the gun is really guilty. 
Well, that's why, that's why, by the way, Peter, Peter, that's why uh, there is also, of course, this first armorer um, who is sort of in charge of these props. She's also been charged. The second armorer, who's the second person, um, he has turned state's evidence and he's going to talk about he turned he got a plea deal. He pleaded guilty, by the way, um, as part of the plea deal. So he is now going to be talking about things he saw that were lax on the set. But I agree with you. That's why. I agree that whoever loaded it obviously is to blame. On the other hand, if they can prove that there was just lax, uh, you know, security, that there were corners cut for money uh, where safety should have been first and foremost. And also there's also a procedure. There's a procedure when you're dealing with guns and he claims he never even fired it. Um, You know, that doesn't look good on him. Go ahead, Peter. Right. That doesn't look good on him. However, I mean, in other words, most, Peter, what, the gun just magically went off? I mean, that's what he wants us to believe. Somehow, you know, a gun pointed in her direction and just went off, and he just happened to be an innocent bystander. That That's a little bit hard to believe. Uh, that, that I agree. However, on all these movie sets, does everyone always check their guns? They does, should. Is that something that, is that, they should, but does everyone do it? Well, I mean, well, responsible, by it? the way, responsible ones should, and that's where that's exactly going to be probably a huge part of this case. Peter, thank you very much. Let's go to Anastasia. Line four. Anastasia, your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. I believe Alec Bolden over here showed no compassion, first of all, by being very defiant from the beginning. I feel very, very deeply that he of course did not do this intentionally but his responsibility was great because he had a firearm and when you're holding a firearm whether you are playing whether you're serious you're supposed to double check absolutely you got to double and you got to triple and quadruple check it and that's why look i think there are a number of people uh who made obviously some huge mistakes here but we also have Helena Hutchins, who's dead. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And lots of news happening. We're going to continue taking your calls about Alec Baldwin, who tonight remains defiant, refuses to accept any responsibility. Looks like he is pointing the finger to everybody on his set. And his attorney basically says that he believes his client, actor and also producer of this film, Alec Baldwin, it was his set. Remember, this was his baby Uh, that basically they believe he will walk scot-free. What do you think? Because it doesn't look good for Alec Baldwin. And if you hear some of the stories from others that are coming out, there was a series of recklessness. Again, they have somebody who was actually there on the set. Do they have videos? You know, they might even have a video. Who knows what they have in terms of recordings? 
there were a number of people on the set that have said that there was just a lot of tension on the set. Like some people weren't getting along with other people and maybe somebody was trying to sabotage. Maybe there's audio, maybe there's video recordings. Clearly, Alec Baldwin says tonight, and he said in that interview, I never pulled the trigger. I would not point a gun at somebody and pull the trigger. Well, there were a lot of people there who say that's not true. You clearly pointed the gun. That's 1,000% for sure. And there are others who say he had to have pulled the trigger. There's no way that that gun would have gone off. And that not just as an actor, but producer, he should have triple, quadruple checked. You've got a gun. You had people doing live firing with other guns. Maybe even those guns, for all we know, uh, the day before. That's according to reports. If that's true, you would think, absolutely, you better check that gun. And if you're the producer, you're the one who gets the fame when you go up. And if the film gets an Oscar, you go up there and they say, gosh, isn't Alec Baldwin the greatest guy in the world? He was the actor and he was the producer. But if there's serious mistakes that were made on set that should not have happened, that were just beyond a series of mistakes that were clearly reckless mistakes. That is the key. The word recklessness is the real big issue. If he basically said, ah, don't worry about safety. We'll cut some corners. Don't We don't need this. This is what happens normally on a set, but we don't need it here. If that indeed did happen, boy, is that going to be tough stuff. And that's what it looks like the prosecution is going for to go all the way to say that they are now on the verge of charging Alec Baldwin with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. Two kind of different versions of the same charge. But of course, they all surround the death of this beautiful woman who was there just as a cinematographer, you know, had been on many sets. And she was killed on the set that day after the gun in his hand that somehow magically went off, if you listen to Alec Baldwin. Here is the Santa Fe District Attorney talking about why Baldwin is responsible. Take a listen. Mr. Baldwin had a duty at, his, at the base level to never hold a gun and point it at a person while pulling the trigger. But he also had a duty um, as an actor and a producer on that set to have the bullets checked or to check them himself to make sure that they weren't live. And he had a, a duty to um, make sure that the set was a safe set. And we know from multiple accounts that it was not a safe set. He should have known he should have done something about it. So it was all of that that led to the decision to charge him. And in this day and age, why not just have like, you know, special effects? You know, you don't need to use point a gun and even touch the, you know, the, the revolver. You don't even have to touch the gun in any shape or form. You don't have to touch. You don't have to cock it. You don't have to, you know, fire it. You don't have to do any of those things in this day and age with special effects. And especially if they were shooting live rounds, was it like the Wild West on the set? That's what they're going to make it out to be. That's clearly where this is headed. And here's a little bit more because Alec Baldwin could face potentially some serious prison time. Take a listen. We have charged him with involuntary manslaughter in the alternative, meaning that it's two counts, although he will only ultimately be convicted of one count. So we have charged him based on uh, reckless 
disregard for safety. Um, and we've also charged him based on uh, the a misdemeanor statute of negligent use of a deadly weapon. And it's only the reckless disregard that carries that five-year enhancement that is, in fact, mandatory. So if a jury finds him guilty of that, he could be facing up to six and a half years. Or they also had that backup charge. You can tell that she was explaining, and also Doug Burns was also explaining earlier, basically that it is involuntary manslaughter and commission of an otherwise lawful act. So, in other words, they're kind of giving the jury a way out by having a misdemeanor there. And legal people and people who are familiar uh, with sets are really mixed on where this is going to go. And that's why I want to hear your thoughts. Do you think Alec Baldwin, first of all, is responsible? And two, do you think he should serve some time? What are your thoughts about this? First off, here's Hollywood attorney Miguel Custodio talking about what he thinks will happen. Take a listen. I think his chances, uh, you know, I personally think there's a greater than 50 percent chance that he will be found guilty of one of the counts of involvement, involuntary manslaughter. And he could get that second one, which would carry a lot less time. Uh, It's a misdemeanor. So who knows what it is? It could maybe be no time. It could be some sort of arrangement or whatever, but there could still be a charge. But he says he's fighting it tooth and nail. Uh, Here is also someone else. This is NBC legal analyst Danny Savios, who has a different take. As much as I believe that Baldwin would be charged, I think it's a misstep for the state to charge him because all these statutes deal with a weapon that someone knows to be a weapon. As far as Baldwin knew, he was handling a block of wood or a piece of plastic. He was assured by other people this is not a conventional gun. This may be one of the few cases in the history of firearms cases where you could reasonably say that somebody looking at something that looks exactly like a gun could reasonably believe it wasn't a gun. So I think it's very difficult for the state to get to beyond a reasonable doubt. And I anticipate this may result in an acquittal for Baldwin. Will he be acquitted? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ. Line four. BJ, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Uh, You know, I was thinking about this, and uh, I'm more in line to think. I I guess that was Joe DeGeneva that spoke, the uh, second attorney. No, actually, this is a guy, uh, NBC News legal analyst, uh, Danny Savios. Uh, I know Joe DeGeneva, not him. Okay, he sounds a little bit like Yeah, he did, actually. You're right. Actually, you have a good ear. He did, actually. Yeah. I'm more inclined to think that... uh, uh, Baldwin will not do uh, – he'll, he might get found guilty of something. He has a very high-priced uh, legal counsel. He's going to fight tooth and nail. Plus, but, but, BJ, uh, that, but, BJ, you know what? And, and not, not to you, but, but to me, I get so sick when, when I hear that. Yeah. Of somebody say, well, they have money and they get to get, you know, get off and they do this. and they do. Because he has money, uh, the facts are the facts, and it shouldn't matter what kind of legal team he has. I, I hear what you're saying because obviously they can dig up stuff and they can, you know, find other angles that somebody else can't. And but boy, is that sad because justice should be blind, and it shouldn't matter what kind of money he has, you know. And if and if he did it, and if they can prove that he was reckless and that he was maybe you know hanging around like Annie Oakley and and uh, shooting up the gun and and in that gun. Or a similar gun, there were live rounds and they were mixed in together and he just said, ah, don't worry about it, we'll figure it out tomorrow. I'm not saying he did this, we don't know. What I'm just saying is that if they can show that he either did that or was aware of it uh, or had a responsibility to make sure that that didn't happen, as producer, here are the list of things you got to do. Here's the thing, he's a seasoned actor. 
He clearly has been around many sets, so he should know what to do and what not to do. If they can show that he violated some of even his own patterns, that would be really powerful, don't you think? Not only do I think that, I think that would be the just verdict based based on what I hear, but uh, what I've seen. Now, you know, we've seen what we we've seen, right? There, there might be other evidence that they try and get knocked out or introduced. But here's another point and something else to consider in this. You know, all the liberal gun grabbers, whenever there's a tragedy with a firearm, uh, they uh, turn around and say, oh, we need more gun legislation, whether it's something like this or something really more serious or some, some wingnut shoots the place up and kills a whole bunch of people. But here we, are, here we have a guy who, from what I can understand, really behaved kind of recklessly with these weapons. And not a peep. You know, not a peep. You know, lady lost her life. Uh, he, he's caught on tape lying about, you know, whether or not he shot the gun. Uh, you know, and and none of these liberals is, are saying, "Oh, we we need to get the guns off the sets." No, that that's a, you're right. That's a great point. And and in fact, I mean, a lot of the social media from his uh, left wing Hollywood folks were like, "Oh, I feel so bad for Alec." It's like, uh, what about Helena Hutchins? I remember when this story first broke, there was so much focus about feeling bad for Alec, and of course, I feel bad for for him. I feel bad for everybody on the set for sure. But I really feel bad for Helena Hutchins, who lost her life. Uh, you know, I mean, it was almost like they forgot about the victim because they were trying to cozy up to their buddy. Good point, BJ. Go ahead, BJ. I want you to respond. No, I, I think that uh, you have a situation. You know, this guy has a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous ego. And uh, he thinks he can talk his way out of anything. He thinks he's smarter than everybody. He, he's, he's, he's Lord God King Alec Baldwin. You know, uh, he's uh, been on Broadway and on movies and, uh, you know, all this other stuff. But the bottom line here is that uh, whenever uh, you have a big personality like this, and this is not fair, but this is reality, uh, who's well-moneyed, who uh, has a uh, a huge uh, – there's a lot of money here behind him, too. If they throw the book at him, it won't be too soon that they'll be shooting any movies in New Mexico if they can avoid it. So, uh, you know, uh, this guy is not going to get as punished as severely if he gets punished at all for this. And if it comes down to the fact that uh, he really and this is my opinion, this is all, you know, speculation. But if it comes down to the fact that he's he's there's no way he's going to beat a guilty verdict, he's going to try and cop a plea. That's that's what it looks like from here. But there's so much. I Although, mean, we, see, see I, I go back to the ego part that you just said. I don't see him wanting to cop a play because I see him thinking, you know, you're right. Maybe at the 11th hour, uh, if he sees that it's inevitable. Yeah. But I see up until that 11th hour, him oh, fighting yeah. a tooth and nail, BJ. Oh, yeah. He does. He's not going to he's going to wait for the Hail Mary. But I'll tell you uh, what really uh, gets me about this is. You know, I mean, you've seen other situations. I mean, we saw OJ. You know, the guy was clearly they they had a he had a night night a cut on his hand. They he he did that crazy glove. If he, yeah, if he, the glove didn't fit, you have to acquit. <laughs> that's Johnny Cochran. That and was he Johnny. Walks. Yep, and he walks, and that's why you know, BJ, you bring up a great point uh, that. Clearly, listen, they're going to go into saying this person should have done this, this person should have done that, maybe pulling in other people who are actors. Uh, what did you do? Oh, you didn't have to check this, so then why should Alex have had to check that? Where it is going to get really murky and really ugly is if they can say 
he specifically signed off on not doing this. We didn't need an extra that. We don't need an extra safety person here. We don't know if that's the case, but if that indeed turns out and that looks like where they're headed uh, and that there were clearly recklessness with firearms prior to this moment, uh, that is going to be really bad for him. And that's where they're going to head. And maybe at the end of the day, maybe you're right. Maybe he gets charged with a smaller offense. It's a misdemeanor. And he says, yeah, you know, uh, obviously it's and it says in, in an otherwise lawful act. So maybe he can somehow spin it that, oh, look, I didn't get charged with the big one or whatever the case is. Um, but I think it's sending a powerful message that you have to be responsible. Something has to be done to show some sort of respect, clearly, to this woman who died. This is a, a mother, a, a loving wife. Helena Hutchins was there just working on the job. And obviously accidents happen, but continued recklessness, which is where they're headed. If they can make the case on that, he's done. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, Abracadabra is an appropriate song because it looks like Alec Baldwin is trying to play a little bit of magic with his words. And so is Joe Biden, by the way. Uh, After the break, and I'm going to continue your calls now on Alec Baldwin, but after the break, I want to get your reaction uh, to it seems like somebody else who's a little bit of disconnect tonight. And that is President Joe Biden. Because he was asked, these are his first statements, by the way, since the special counsel was appointed to look into his classified document debacle. I can only call it debacle. That's the nicest thing. Because, again, they've been found in four different places. And remember, he and nobody at the White House, nobody, uh, said anything until well after the election that documents were found before the midterm elections. To me, that is outrageous. The American public should have known. It shouldn't have taken two months until it suddenly came out. And so finally, Joe Biden gets asked about it tonight by a reporter. And listen to what he said. He is defiant and he is in like la-la land. And to me, this is an outrageous answer from the president of the United States when he has clearly mishandled documents in an outrageous way. How dare he say this? As we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives and the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. There's no there there. I have no regrets. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Uh, This absolutely, it makes me even more reason he's got to get investigated. But Trump, he's irresponsible. What a double standard and just what an outrageous and pompous reaction from the president of the United States. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry. Line two. Larry, your thoughts about all this. Okay. In reference to Alec Baldwin, um, I found it a little bit strange that the char- well, I think he's uh, he's he's being cut a break by the quirkiness of New Mexican law because this double this double edged charge gives him the chance to cop a plea 
the negligent, the lower charge, which is which is negligent use of a weapon. Exactly. Uh, that, no, that, exactly. That, yep. Okay. So, but but on the other hand, the uh, reckless disregard for human life is very very close to a to a higher charge of depraved indifference to human life, which would be second degree murder in this state, intentional murder. Now, my question is very simple. Why did he point the gun at someone who was a non-actor at the same time there were accidents, like you said, going on at the time? Well, no, no, no. Um, he, was, he was pointing, Larry, just to clarify, he was pointing it at the camera, and she was behind the camera. She was the cinematographer, so he was trying to point it like he was pointing it at somebody. The camera was seeing it from that person's perspective, and so uh, well, she was right uh, well, behind it, the camera. That changes a lot because it, because if she is behind the camera, he could have had the impression that she was in a safety in a position of safety. Oh, Larry, and, you got wait, wait, wait! You got to be kidding me! If there's a somebody, she's literally right with the camera is like blocking her like a bulletproof vest. You got to be kidding me! That's a it depends, that, it depends, it Larry. Depends, that's right. That's a, Larry. That, that that that's an outrageous thing. That is a crazy, crazy comment. I mean, we have to I, see. We have to actually see the set. And see how exposed she was. Well, no, Larry, no. I'll tell you, I've seen a picture of at least moments, and apparently she's right there, like a cinematographer is like, you know, literally right behind the camera, like, you know, a little bit to the side of the camera, but literally physically right behind the camera. So, I mean, you know, a camera is so small, and, and you can't even expect a camera, what is that, a cameraman, like Superman, and like bullets bounce off of it? I mean, that's a new one, Larry, but I think, by the way, he might try that. When we come back, Biden saying, no regrets on the classified documents. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes, where we honor our great military and their families. I love doing this every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, a powerful story coming from Washington State, where the Veterans Memorial Museum Quilts of Valor chapter and Lewis County Veterans Advisory Board honored seven veterans in a very special ceremony today at the museum. The veterans uh, were honored at this museum whose mission statement is they shall never be forgotten. What a beautiful statement. The Quilts of Valor chapter leader said the quilts are gifted to the veterans in gratitude and honor for their service as a way to comfort them. In that light, each veteran was given a handmade quilt to help provide emotional healing. By the way, since 2018, the Veterans Memorial Museum there in Lewis County, Washington, that chapter has made 286 quilts of honor, giving them to local veterans. What a beautiful, beautiful story. And I love uh, what the Quilts of Valor do, giving quilts to veterans really all over the country. And this beautiful example coming out of Washington State. Well, something that I think isn't really beautiful is uh, Joe Biden. And he gets asked, of course, remember, what was it, about two weeks ago now? I can't believe it. He gets asked, of course, what well, was about a week and a half ago? He gets asked the question about these documents 
and that there was some discovery. And he reveals, well, there were some documents that were found at my office at the Penn Biden Center. Basically, nothing to worry about, right? And then we find out the next day that there's others. And a few days later, suddenly he comes out and gives us the Corvette defense, basically, that they were... Some of them were in my home in Wilmington, Delaware, next to my prized Corvette that, of course, was secure uh, with a basic uh, up and down button for the uh, garage. And somewhere they were tussled upon somewhere there. Then we find out that there were at least two other discoveries. So now, all right, we've got four batches of documents that have been discovered. We know that the first batch of classified documents were found November 2nd. And that's why this is a big deal. That, of course, was six days before the midterm election. They were found, according to his attorneys, if we believe everything we're being told, inside a D.C. office that he used after he left the Obama administration as vice president. But remember, the only reason we found out about that there were any documents at all was there was a leak to CBS News. It wasn't like Joe Biden was forthcoming. It wasn't like the White House was forthcoming. DOJ wasn't forthcoming. Nobody was forthcoming about this. They were probably hoping to sweep it under the rug. And then CBS News broke the story on January 9th, which caused Biden to have to answer a question about it in Mexico City. So fast forward. Here it is. It's over two months. And he still like drips and drips and drips. And you could see Corinne Jean-Pierre in the White House press briefing. She doesn't know what to say because they're probably not giving her any information. And it's getting awfully heated because reporters on all sides of the aisle see what we all see, that clearly there was an obvious mishandling of classified documents by this White House. He's already basically the White House has come out and said it was inadvertently misplaced these documents. So clearly there were mistakes and he's basically hoping that he can kind of, you know, get away with it being, quote, inadvertently done. But here it is. There were clearly huge errors. That's the nicest thing we could say. Where is there more to the story? Is there funds maybe from Hunter Biden the Republicans are looking into? And then also, what about the fact that we didn't know about it for two months? Well, now President Biden is getting downright belligerent about it. And I also think it is an outrageous and I think really arrogant statement. The American public deserves to know he bashed President Trump saying, I can't believe somebody could be so irresponsible to have documents in a secure location in Mar-a-Lago. And this guy's got documents all over the eastern seaboard, it seems. And yet he wants himself to be excused. And so now He is asked about it today. I want to give this sort of the setup. He's in California. He's there talking about weather. They've had huge issues and problems with weather, needless to say, uh, over there in California. Lots of huge storm damage. And, of course, since the White House is dodging and weaving and not answering any questions, when reporters have any access to this president, they're trying to get some answers. So a reporter asks him, basically, You know, I want to hear your thoughts. Why did we not know about this? Why were these mishandled classified documents basically kept under wraps until after the midterm elections? Uh, That's a pretty easy question. He didn't like the question. And at first he refused to answer. Then she came back at him again. And then he got really testy. And here is this very arrogant response from President Biden. Take a listen. He says, no regrets. How dare you, Mr. President? Take a listen. 
We have a situation where there's a total disregard for national security with this administration. You can point to the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. You can point to the border crisis that has been playing out where we have over 100 people who have been apprehended that are on the international terrorist watch list. God knows how many of them were gotaways that are now somewhere within our country. Now you look at the handling of classified documents. It points to a bigger issue, Harris. They have no regard for the rule of law and they have no regard for our national security. And that was Kat Kamek talking about how she feels. Here is President Biden discussing it. As we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives and the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. How dare you say there's no there there, but boy, is there plenty of there there when it was President Trump and it was in a locked location. Here it is laying all over his garage with Hunter, his drug addicted, porn addicted son who uh, was fixing the engine. And by the way, there's pictures of Hunter driving the Corvette. I saw it the other day. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like driving around with some girl in a bikini. Who knows if it's a. a really good friend or a really, really good friend that he's paying. Either way, there is Hunter Biden clearly hanging out. He said he lived in that house with his father and the documents are strewn all over the garage. What did he use them for, uh, you know, for an oil change? I mean, give me a break. You know, it's this is like the craziest thing. And then there was documents in the library area, documents in an adjacent office, doc, uh, documents that were marked classified all over the place. Also at the Penn Biden Center in D.C., And I have no regrets. How dare you say no regrets to the American public? He is that to me is so pompous and so arrogant. He should say, I clearly made some mistakes. I didn't do it intentionally. Uh, I didn't. You know, obviously, I was not aware they were there. But he's saying there's nothing to see here. No big deal. That to me is outrageous. And I think he will get hammered by both sides of the aisle in the press, as he has been doing, he's been getting hammered and he should be getting hammered because this is outrageous. It is so bad that all media have been basically asking questions when they are in that White House briefing and when they have access to them. And if they don't have the guts to ask that kind of a question to the president, they should not be in the profession. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stan. Line four. Stan, your thoughts about this. Yes, in the bizarre world of Rita Cosby, uh, it's wait, wait, embarrassing. Wait, wait, wait. Bizarre world? I thought you loved my world. I do You love your world. But tonight we have to have a little fun, too, there, cutie. Oh, okay, the- <laughs> okay, okay, cutie, Stanny. Go ahead. Oh, cutie, like cutie that. booty. I like you when you call me Stanny. Stanny. <laughs> Lovable standing. Right, here we go. Uh, look, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the president's response. First of all, I've said I thought it was ridiculous what happened and so forth. But he has he has been more cooperative than the last guy. He didn't stop and say, I'm not giving anything. He didn't wait months and hold up not giving anything. So please, uh, let's see what happens. And please, what is this constant with Hunter Biden? You got him in the house. You got him over Cause, here. Because no, guess what, Stan? Uh, the facts are he. What he, facts? He, There's he, nothing. Stan, Stan, you got to listen. 
He I've, I've said he said this was his house. He filled that oh. out on a gun permit. He also in the permit said that he was paying fifty thousand dollars. So a month. There are documents that show that Stan. So show me the check. check. I want to see. Oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't have time to ask Hunter for the check for you, Stan. But I'll try to do that next time. But anyway, now let's get back to reality. You said that he has nothing to be ashamed about, no regrets. Are you kidding me? This is a man who has basically had documents strewn all over the place. My example about Hunter is a very appropriate one because you have a drugged-out, porned-out son who, by his own profession, had many problems, was taking in tons of money, and the documents were in a garage that the son and how many other people had access to. That is a huge security issue, and for this president tonight— after all of this, to be angry that the media is asking him a question, no regrets, no there, there. Think about the way he vilified President Trump, and he has no self-introspection tonight, Stan. That is a shameful answer. The American public deserves better. Go ahead, they're Stan. Get, and they're going to get an answer. but Not from of, Biden. Not well, from well, Biden. Are you going to speak for Biden? Or, uh, let me talk. I, by the way, I don't, I don't need to speak for him. He can speak for himself. Absolutely. He's digging himself and, enough of a hole. And, and, and the constant with the that Hunter Biden is involved in these in documents. Hunter Biden is involved in this. Hunter, Hunter Biden, Biden is lived a, in the house. Not involved in anything. Hunter, you proved nothing. Stan, oh yeah, he just happened to live in the house. He just happened to fix the car. He just happened to drive the car. He just happened to physically be in that house, likely at the time the documents were there. He also happened to have an office with his dad. He asked for a key. He also said the big guy wants money and is pressuring me to take big money so I can basically Basically help the big guy. Prove and it. you're right. Oh, yeah, Stan, I don't have to prove it. Those are you the facts. Stan, I, Stan, no do me, Stan, Stan, do me a favor. He's not going to show you money. Guess what? Okay? Sweetie pie, cutie pie, as you <laughs> called me. Stan, well, I you love you. You are cutie. You are attractive. Thank you, Stan. And you're well, very well, kind. I don't, I don't, what am I going to call you? You're attractive. Are you crazy? You're attractive woman. What are you doing? Stan, anyway, I, but the point is. But point, what is the point about? Wait, go ahead, Stan. Uh, uh, if. Uh, it's, it's his father's house. Where's he going to stay? At the motel? Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what? By the way, if you have $50,000 to spend on uh, rent, uh, you do. You that can... I find hard to believe. Yeah, that, I, I, well, I, I, well, then you're. I want to see the check then, on that. Then you're one. questioning Hunter Biden, and this esteemed, very intellectually, uh, you know, drug addicted, porn addicted man. How dare you question him, Stan? Oh, I'm, I'm looking to question him. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> I want to know, hey, with all those things and this and that, uh, when, if he did come up with 50000 and again, it's. If he to pay, why would he pay to his own? The father's not going to charge him to stay in his that's, own Stan, house. Stan, that's the point. You just uh, hit my point exactly. And that's why I can call you a cutie pie tonight. Because, mind no, I don't because, mind that. I don't mind that. I like it. And by the way, and I, know, and I know you mean it as a term endearment to me, too. And I don't mind. But so, Stan, no, here, that is exactly the point. A normal person doesn't pay his father $50,000 a month for rent at the age of 50. Two reasons. One, why would you pay that much? There's a serious question. Or two, if you have that kind of money, you don't have to stay at the, what did you call it, the Motel 6 or whatever. You can buy 10 Motel 6s. You don't have to, like, you don't have to, like, pay rent. Uh, there's a lot better places if you're going to spend $50,000. So you just helped my case. And that's what I love about you, Stan, whether you realized it or not. Thank you. Bye, cutie. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Let's go, uh, if we could, to George in Nassau County. George, go ahead. 
I read it. To me, this whole thing is gaslighting. You know, him saying that there's nothing there, there's no there there. The reason that, you know, some of these documents are important is because it got out for some reason it got out that one of them was involved China, one of them involved Ukraine, and those are the reasons that it's important that Hunter is involved. And also Iran, so Iran, Iran as well as another document. Uh, but those two in particular, as you point out, because of Hunter's ties and he also lived in the house. Stan seems to think like, you know, oh, he didn't live in the house despite all the clear facts that he did. One more point, too. Joe Biden was vice president. He was not president like he says the last guy. The last guy was president. They were in negotiations. The feds were already at Mar-a-Lago and said, put a lock on the door. And he said, OK, he put a lock on the door and he said, if you need anything, let me know. Next thing you know, he was raided. Well, that's the point. And, and he was and, president. And George, you hit it on the head. He could automatically declassify as the president of the United States. And separately, just as you said, in a location as president, he has Secret Service, George. You know, there's Secret Service down there at Mar-a-Lago all the time uh, to this day, because as a former president, he still gets to retain Secret Service and he has that kind of protection. So where would you rather have documents uh, that are classified uh, if they're outside of the White House or the archives, wouldn't you rather have them in a place surrounded by Secret Service than in a garage with Hunter Biden? Yeah, and he says that, oh, some of the documents were filed in inappropriate places or in the wrong place. Yeah, your garage, right. that's where they were filed. Right, that's why I had to laugh, George. Lawyers, You're uh, right. To rummage through everything. And, and you know the why other thing? His lawyers allowed to rummage through everything. His lawyers can do everything. And the feds are not involved and the DOJ refused to do anything about it. Are you and, kidding me? And George, you just hit exactly where I was going to go. You and I think alike, because the fact that his attorneys were allowed to rummage through it and apparently uh, basically the DOJ and FBI said, no, we'll trust you. Basically, the honor system will let you guys do the search. So we to this day, all the details that we know and even what we know doesn't look good. The fact that Joe Biden says he has no regrets. Uh, and doesn't it doesn't bother him that there was a delay, that they were hiding it. And again, it wasn't like Joe Biden announced this. That's the other thing. Let's remember, it wasn't like Joe Biden or his attorneys or the FBI or DOJ. Nobody announced it. CBS News broke the story, and it forced Biden to have to come up with some kind of incoherent answer, which is the first answer we heard when he was in Mexico City. And we still are trusting to this day that his attorneys are telling us everything they know. They said that they did a complete search. That's not true. They discovered documents soon afterwards, even after the special counsel was appointed, George. So you're right. The double standards are just unbelievable here. And the fact that Joe Biden wants us to accept that he is basically strewn classified documents, as you aptly say, with Ukraine and China, obviously both things that are very hot with Hunter Biden and his business deals, and we're not supposed to be bothered that his son had access to the garage and the documents just happened to be laying around and then laying around in another part of the house and some more over here in this other office and who knows where else they were and who knows who's seen it and they don't want to give us any logs. Uh, to me, this is it, it is downright arrogant of the president of the United States. I have no regret and there's no there there and leave me alone. Uh, mainstream media that's bothering me. Why are you bothering me about this? To me, that is outrageous. And I think, George, the American public deserves better. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. 
maybe the honeymoon for President Biden is over. And as I have said other nights, and I'm more and more convinced of this, I think this is the beginning of the end of his presidency. I think he'll ride out the two years, but I would be stunned if he thinks that he can run again for president, because I think this is going to get just so ugly. All these details about the classified documents. By the way, also some new developments tonight that the Secret Service is saying that they do have some records of the visitors to Biden's private residence. They don't have logs, per se, but they have some records, like in a database. The problem is they weren't there that long because, remember, he was a former vice president for most of that time. And so they only have it for a few, you know, a few maybe months during a window where maybe somebody had come. Maybe there's some way they can get others. But they say that if they're asked by Congress, they will comply and they will help. So let's see if there are some logs to see how many of Hunter Biden's friends came over to help him with uh, the engine change. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike in South Carolina on line five. Mike, your thoughts. Hello, Rita. I got to give, give uh, say something about that guy, Stan. Ugh, he should get his own show on the Internet. You know, he's doing his little shtick and everything. Cutie pie. Oh, please stop. Yeah, I, I had to call him cutie pie back. But he meant, uh, but you know what? But you know what, Stan? I, he, I th- he meant that in an endearing way. And, and, and at least, you know, he, he concedes. He just needs to be educated because a lot of his facts were wrong. So that's why we're here to steer yeah. him straight. No, I got you. Yeah, he should get his own show on the Internet. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> what would you Rita, call it? Sweetie rim, pie stand? Rim, rim, rim shot. Yeah, rim shot stand. Rim shot. Here you go. Uh, stand. Rim shot for you. Where's my drumsticks? You know, it's funny. Uh, end of the show, and I'm glad Dominic's on deck. I'll be listening to him, too. He's uh, the best. Biden, I agree. Oh, yeah. I was saying to Ken before, maybe maybe when he gets impeached, uh, just like Nixon, Watergate turkey Dick Nixon, he'll be on the Marine helicopter walking up. And he'll give the peace sign with a smile. And maybe Biden will have an ice cream cone in his hand. And he'll look at the crowd. And what a disgrace for a donkey slash Democrat. And uh, he's a dunce. Put a dunce cap on him. And uh, maybe some of the other classified documents, I heard he told his son Hunter, just put him in the Corvette trunk. Yeah, they'll never think about looking in there. Put him in a coffin truck. Well, what a joke, man. I mean, he's totally outrageous, right? Right, Rita? Well, it is outrageous, and I agree with you. I think this is really troubling. And I think the reason also the Hunter stuff, obviously he lived at the house at the time, and and reports are showing he paid $50,000 a month for rent, which is not normal, is even Stan uh, somehow had an epiphany and agreed with that. But to all these points, um, the fact that, there, this now opens the door to funds, and this is the one area Biden didn't want anybody investigating his son and his very questionable business dealings, and this is going to crack it wide open, and I don't think it's going to be pretty for the Biden family. It's going to get really, really uh, ugly, and they will have the right, the GOP Congress, to subpoena a lot of documents. Thanks so much, Mike. We appreciate it. Thanks. Let's go to Dave real quick from Pennsylvania. Dave, go ahead real quick. Hey, Rita. I was just asking, you know, if you were a Democratic Party puppet master, would you prefer the American people to be exposed to a public impeachment hearing on Joe Biden involving testimony related to hundreds of thousands of Americans that were perished of fentanyl poisoning? Ah, I see where you're going. So you believe it maybe it is a distraction 
Um, and listen, obviously, fentanyl's a huge issue, and we need to look at both of these things. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.